All right, you guys, I am currently struggling with a pinched nerve in my neck. And if you have ever had one, you know the pain. So I am feeling super thankful for today's sponsor, Tanasi. Tanasi's CBD, CBDA is two times better than CBD alone and better than over-the-counter ibuprofen, acetaminophen, and aspirin. It helps soothe and relieve my aches and pains like my pinched nerve, and it's great for sleep and anxiety, so I put it on right before bed. Tanasi was discovered by a team of chemists and biologists at Middle Tennessee State University, and 5% of all revenue is given back to the university partner for ongoing research. It is THC-free and comes in a range of products. I love the topicals, but you can also choose from soft gels, gummies, and tinctures. Satisfaction is guaranteed. Try Tanasi for 30 days, and if you don't love it, you get a full refund. Go to Tanasi.com and use code MOM to get 25% off at checkout. That's T-A-N-A-S-I.com to get 25% off your first order with promo code MOM. Since learning the truth about alcohol over four years ago, I've become pretty skeptical about anything that seems too good to be true. You know, like alcohol. If you're like me and you can spot a too-good-to-be-true health hack from a mile away, congrats, you're a skeptic too. Ritual knows that every good skeptic deserves a multivitamin that exceeds our standards. I take Ritual's Essential for Women 18 Plus every morning because it has high-quality and traceable key ingredients in clean, bioavailable forms. It's gentle on an empty stomach and has a minty essence in every bottle that helps make taking my multis actually enjoyable. No more shady business. Ritual's Essential for Women 18 Plus is a multivitamin you can actually trust. Get 25% off your first month at ritual.com forward slash sober mom. Start Ritual or add Essential for Women 18 Plus to your subscription today. That's ritual.com forward slash sober mom for 25% off. Hi, welcome to the Sober Mom Life podcast. I'm your host, Suzanne of My Kind of Sweet and the Sober Mom Life on Instagram. If you are a mama who has questioned your relationship with alcohol at times, if you're wondering if maybe it's making motherhood harder, this is for you. I will be having candid, honest, funny conversations with other moms who have also thought, hmm, maybe motherhood is better without alcohol. Is it possible? We'll chat and we'll talk about all things sobriety and how we've found freedom in sobriety I don't consider myself an alcoholic. You don't have to either. And maybe life is brighter without alcohol. I hope you will join us on this journey and I'm so excited to get started. Hello, happy Friday. Welcome to our special episode of the Real Sober Mom Chats. It's like the Real Housewives, but without the booze and the bad drama and the fillers. How's that? I have heard so much feedback about the sober moms. You guys love the stories from real moms who are in it, who are figuring out, who are maybe sober curious. They're talking about their journeys, and that's what this is. We are bringing you moms from the Sober Mom Life Cafe. All of these moms connect over there. If you want to come and join us, it's $15 a month, and you get, first of all, you get to sign up to share your story on the Real Sober Mom Chat. That link to join the cafe is in the show notes. You also get weekly Zoom meetings. You get 
Discord chat where you can chat with moms just like you all day long. Book club, you get bonus podcast episodes. It's just a huge party over there. Come and join us. And I know you will enjoy this episode of the Real Sober Mom Chats. Katie, welcome. Hi. Hi, welcome to the Sober Mom Life, Real Sober Mom Chats. Yes. It's funny, the Golden Globes were last night, yes. and bringing that energy, I feel like I should oh be my holding God, my I can of it. seltzer. I'm yeah, like, you thank should. You. Thank you, everybody. I'd like to thank the Academy. Topo Chico. No, <laughs> I'd like to thank Topo Chico. <laughs> <laughs> I would like to thank Topo Chico all the time, actually. I'm never not thanking Topo Chico. Okay, I want to hear your story. Before we hear where you're at with sobriety and everything like that, let's go back and let's talk about that nasty bitch. <laughs> alcohol. Bacardi Raz. Yeah. Bacardi Raz? Really? Wait, is that like raspberry? I don't know. I guess. I mean, I had it once that first time and never again. Oh (laughs) my God. That was what you started with? Yeah. Because, you know, I I was in probably eighth grade, ninth grade at a sleepover. So you want something sweet, you know, that somebody's older sibling can get you with their fake ID. Yeah. You're not starting with like a cab. You're like, you know what? Hmm, I want something full-bodied. Yeah, yeah. I'm like, what's going to hurt the least? So it's funny because my first time drinking, I got sick. One of my friends woke up my sister who woke up my mom who came downstairs to make sure everybody was still okay. So in my memory, it was like kind of a rough night like leading up to that. And when I started going back and reflecting on my drinking and my time with alcohol – I called my mom and I said, you know, what was that night like from your point of view? And she said, I came downstairs. You girls all had these little paper Dixie cups with a little bit of vodka in it. And and she said the vodka had started to like disintegrate the paper. So (laughs) nobody had even really been drinking. She's like, you had some of yours and you got sick. So like, and I always had a bit of a sensitive stomach. So was it the alcohol? Probably. Was it the McDonald's? Probably. Probably. <laughs> like yeah. a variety of things. But, you know, that was sort of my first memory of drinking. But then, you know, high school, we were good kids, like house parties, nothing crazy. Really, things picked up when I got to college, as they often do. I went to- Where'd you U- go to college? Or- University of Rochester. It's dark. It's cold. You know, there's not much to do. You know, you go to the parties, go to the frat quad, but that's pretty much it. I mean, I had a I had a great time. Yes, there were a lot of really bad nights. I I posted this on one of my Instagram on my Instagram, but one of my friends when I was blackout drunk during a sorority event spray painted a giant penis on my back. No, no, we were oh doing like a, we were no. doing an event where we were supposed to spray paint these tunnels and like decorate them. Uh-huh. And I had texted my roommate at the time to bring me some liquor, like anything to drink. And again, in her naivete, she poured a bunch of different liquors into a water bottle. <gasps> Oh God! Oh God! Snuck it to the event. Okay, wait, that's hilarious. So, did you post the picture? Uh, I posted the picture. Yes. Yes. Okay, Katie, I need to see. Okay, okay. Will you send me? I want to see the picture. And my, I, you know, it's my friend who did it with her thumbs up, and I'm giving a (laughs) thumbs up. Like you could see my back, but like that was one of the worst hangovers, and it took so long to get that penis off, and it was just like, and it was spray paint. It was spray paint. Spray paint. You know. And again, growing up watching all these movies, you know, old school, Animal House, you know, can't hardly wait, super bad. Mm-hmm. So it's either when you're in college or that senior year getting ready to go to college. 
you know, you've got the solo cups, you walk in, the music's bumping, you know, and I loved that feeling. And, and in my actions, alcohol was tied into that. And so what did you love about the feeling? Like you, you loved the feeling of like, was it the excitement of you don't know what's going to happen? Yes. Or, okay. Yeah. It was like, the night is young. We're here to fuck shit up. Like, let's go. I'm with you. I was for sure like that in college where it was just like, oh my God, no idea what's going to happen. And how fun is that? Like I might get a spray painted penis on me. Who knows? <laughs> Things might get weird. Yes. Totally. And then also like the next day, like crawling into your girlfriend's bed and going to the diner and recounting of who hooked up with who and, and what did what. And, and so, you know, college is really, I think where I've, if high school was my training wheels and my co- training wheels came off at college. When I graduated and moved to Manhattan, it was like the fucking X Games. <laughs> like it was, it was, yes. it was pedal to the metal. I was a page at NBC, which if <gasps> oh. you have ever watched Thirty Rock, it was yes. like what Kenneth did. Yeah. You know, yeah. So such a great opportunity. I met so many people that I still do business with. But yeah, you give tours of. 30 Rock, you help see audience members, you have these different assignments. It's a really, really great opportunity for kids who want to get into show business and and entertainment. But part of what we did was we would work at Saturday Night Live, you know, and after the show. Wait, Katie, this is amazing. Hold on. Wait, you're just like, you're just like, so obviously I worked at Saturday Night Live. Like, what? So what did you do? Who did you meet? And what did you see? It was very minimal. It was just like, you usher in the guests, you see the audience. I had a, a brief assignment, which was like for six weeks, because you do these rotations where I would go to the after parties, like at the restaurants, and you just kind of stand there and make sure nobody like sits at somebody's table or like does something they're not supposed to do. You okay, know? what year was this? Wait, when was this? 2009, 2010. Okay, so we're talking, are we talking like Cecily Strong? Uh, Kristen Wiig was there, <gasps> Jason Sudeikis. Oh Chris- my God, even better. <laughs> Uh, I talked to Kristen Wiig for like 30 seconds about garbage plates, which are uh, a Western New York delicacy. Oh my God. That's so funny. Okay. Yeah. I love this. Okay. Wait, did you, so you got to see them party? Did did you party or no? Yes. Yes. (laughs) Yes. Well, so when we also weren't working at the shows, like all the pages who weren't working that night would get together and start drinking and pregame. And then wherever the after, after party was, Uh we could start at like, Two thirty, three in the morning. Yeah, we'd go out. So like, Got it. it wasn't just Red Bull keeping us up. So it was like a very, very intense sort of activity. But our days also weren't starting till six p.m. So like, you know, you're sleeping all day. You're like, whatever. yes, totally. You're young. You're young. You're in Manhattan. You're working. You have a paycheck. Like, and I mean, for the most part, we all like this. This was our job. We were. It was a weird balance of being aware you know, and also unaware. Totally. You know, like I always kind of in the back of my head, no matter what decisions I was making, this is going to sound so messed up. It's like, no matter what decisions I was making, I always knew that I was doing something for work, you know, that's so contradictory and so stupid. You're just well, like- But it makes sense though, especially like you, okay, so maybe like now, how old are you now then? 
I can't do that. I'm going to be 37 in April. Okay. So as a 37-year-old looking back, you're like, oh, okay. See, you know, clearly. But when you think that you're what, like 22, 23? I mean, this is your first year out of college. Totally. And you don't know what the hell's going on. Like, and you're just like, this is amazing. And like, if this is what work is, uh, yeah, sign me up, right? Yeah. And so, and, and it is kind of like a pass then. Like when you have to party for work, which is like I have definitely had that experience too where it's like, oh, okay, it's a really good excuse. Like it yeah. makes sense. I do call it a fifth year of college because that's really what it felt like. You show up, you do the tours, you do your work, you know, you get the free pizza that gets left over and then, you know, you're on. So Manhattan was just, was a ride for sure. Yeah. And partying definitely slowed down the more, you know, the older I got, but it was still, it was, it was still very prevalent, you know, it was the weekends, it was Thursday nights, you know, going out in the East Village, just again, being young and stupid and employed and, you know, YOLO. You know? Yeah, young, oh, YOLO. stupid and employed. I love yeah. that. That's yeah. like, yeah, that's pretty, that's a trifecta right there. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and then fast forward to where a lot of other women and, you know, that you interview, I think it's the pandemic. Yeah. I, at that point, was a few months pregnant. So my daughter was born January 2021. So it was dark. It was cold. There was COVID. Everybody was stuck at home. And they had just started rolling vaccines out to like 65 and older. So I wasn't even eligible for that. So, you know, that whole time prior to my daughter being born, just being stuck at home during COVID was such a, a mind fuck. I mean, in some ways I was so grateful because all the things I was worried about during pregnancy, hiding in the beginning, what am I going to wear? What if I'm too tired? What if I want to take a nap? You know, and when you're in the office, weren't issues. Yeah. But at the same time, all the things in my mind that I had always thought about being able to like walk into work when I suddenly have a bump and showing people and interacting with people and celebrating these moments weren't happening. Yeah, you, you. There were a lot of losses, right? Yeah. Even and and I always like to highlight this and talk about it because, like, we assume that if we didn't, you know, lose anybody to COVID, that we didn't, that we came out unscathed, and and that's just not the case. It was like there were so, so hard. Yeah, I can't imagine. Also, I I didn't even get to have like a proper farewell to Manhattan, this yeah. place that I lived for ten years and was so pivotal in who I became. I just sort of like, okay, we're packing up, we're moving to the suburbs. We're having a baby, like we're getting the house. We're doing all the adult things super quick. And after I had my daughter, I had some pretty bad postpartum depression for Mm -hmm. sure. Understandable. Yeah, yeah. Which I thought, you know, oh, well, I guess we have to have some wine. Yeah, you you didn't come up with that on your own. No. Right? Like everywhere. Yes. Like that's what we're told. It's like, no, no, no. It's fine. You're fine. Drink this. Be quiet pretty much. I remember being bummed when like, People were bringing stuff for the baby, but nobody brought me anything. I was like, I want some wine, you know, just something to kind of, again, because in my mind, it had always been associated with having fun, relaxing, you know, it was just sort of this thing that was always there. And so I went, went through a lot. My job changed, you know, we had bought a house, like there was just so much change that happened in the course of two or three years. But the only thing that didn't change was my drinking, you know? And so while things around me continued to move and evolve, I was stuck. And I just got 
more and more depressed and more and more anxious because of the alcohol. <laughs> Truthfully, right. like yeah. I was taking all the steps that I knew I was supposed to. I was exercising. I started taking Zoloft. I was talking to a therapist. You know, doing all the things that I was supposed to do, except looking at my drinking. Mm. And did any did your you know OB or mm-hmm. your therapist? ask about the drinking or say oh, like Suzanne, hey. of course of course they did and of course I lied okay because I wasn't ready to look at it and because yeah. sometimes they just don't right and yeah. sometimes they're like oh okay great nothing to see here great okay keep it moving or they're going to ask and then what did you say like well I was like oh glass of wine on the couch you know yeah. just watching my shows after my daughter goes to bed blah 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 but that was not the case and my husband also stopped drinking before I did you know, okay. he, no- he noticed that just it was not good for his energy, like anxiety, any of that. So he was like, you know what, I'm done. Which meant that when I wanted wine, I was drinking the whole bottle. Right, you know? right. Because God forbid I just not open it. You know? Right. And I think that, I don't know, because I always want to push back on our healthcare practitioners and our mental health practitioners too, because you know, you have a new mom who's clearly struggling in the middle of a pandemic, postpartum depression. We kind of, you know, it's a joke. Like, yes, we don't tell the truth about how much we're drinking. Like, mm-hmm. they know that too. You know what I mean? And so was there has to be a greater conversation about like, hey, okay, I know, you know, you might not be wanting to tell me everything. I just want you to know that alcohol does make anxiety and depression so much worse. Like here are some better coping mechanisms, something like that, right? Where it doesn't force you to look at it if you're not ready, but might plant a little seed. Like can we start, if there are any healthcare practitioners listening, which I know you guys do, just do that. You don't even have to, you don't have to pry stuff out of people if they're not ready. Just give them some information. Just kind of like lovingly suggest different ways to cope and highlight that alcohol makes it all worse because I definitely didn't know that. Yeah. I think a lot of it is also, you're not ready to see it, you yeah, know, when, totally. when you know that you're in it, but you're right. Having the the knowledge and the education and just like I said planting those seeds. And that's what it is. Cause you're not going to say, you're not going to leave that appointment and say, you know what? Yeah, I'm not going to drink anymore, but something's going to kind of stay in there and be mm-hmm. like, okay, I, okay. I hear what you're saying. I'm going to put that in the back for right now. Right. But it's going to come forward eventually. And it's those building blocks that we talk about. Like it will, yeah. Rather than just kind of like skirting over it, which is what we do now. Exactly. Exactly. I mean, building blocks is, is the perfect way to put it. So sort of the tipping point for me where I, you know, was like, all right, enough is enough was last end of summer, I started having these really bad heart palpitations. Mm. And uh, I ended up going to the cardiologist and I had SVT. So like the wiring in my heart was kind of like all messed up and they had to go in and fix it. And Oh, wow. You know, and when, I remember when they were admitting me to the hospital, the doctor asked me how much I drank. And mm. Again, I sort of wrote it off and my husband and my mom were there and they just kind of looked at me and looked at each other. And I like, I, I caught the look, you yeah, know, yeah. And, but I was like, all right, like I'm not dealing with this right now. And then after the surgery, I did keep drinking, but mm-hmm. I knew in the back of my head that this was not good. I mean, having a heart issue is not something that you just can really brush off. Like we have one life you know, as the months progress, they start to do the moderation game, make rules, all of those things. 
What were some of your rules? I always love to ask this. Oh, um, we're only going to drink tequila because it's an upper. We're going to uh, have- <laughs> Wait, that's it. Okay, that's a new one. Okay, I love that one. We're Because it's an upper. Okay, got it. I can find my list very quickly. Hold on. Oh, really? Book. You have it on your yeah. phone? Oh, yeah. Put it in one of my posts because writing in the beginning was so therapeutic. Yes. You know? Okay, so do you have like a public Instagram that you share all this stuff on? Yes. <gasps> Sober Living CT. Wait, I know you. I see you all the time pop up on my yes. – and in check-ins and stuff too, right? Yes. Yeah. And anytime I do a check-in like on, on stories and stuff, you yeah. pop up, right? Cause yeah, I, probably. I, people are like, is that really you responding to everybody? I'm like, you guys, it's really me. <laughs> well, you really were so pivotal like at the start of my journey. Oh, I'm so glad. But okay. So my going back to my rules – so one glass of water for every alcoholic drink. Of course, yeah. Only drink tequila because it's an upper. That's amazing. <laughs> I'll only have one, maybe two, unless other people keep drinking. Oh, okay, okay. I'll only drink red wine because if it's white, I'll drink too much. Okay. I'll stay away from gin because it's disgusting unless it's in a French 75. <laughs> <laughs> okay, wait, this is amazing. And I hope you don't feel like I'm making fun of you. No, no. It's just this like is this ridiculous. is Yeah, it but it we've all been there and like yeah. I just can recognize it so clearly that this is what we do. Like when we're yeah. in that moderation stage just trying to protect alcohol. This is what we'll do. I even I even put like little like prints. So I said, I'll stay away from gin because it's disgusting. Hello, French 75s. I won't drink unless someone else does too. But here I am pushing to get the party started and I'm heavy handed in my pores. Yes. Uh, if I open a bottle of wine, I won't drink the whole thing tonight. But that was sometimes yes, sometimes no. <laughs> Definitely gone within 24 hours. I'll only stick to one sort of alcohol. It's not a real vacation, bachelorette party, girls weekend, unless you start drinking before noon. But also sports are a good reason to drink early on a weekend. <laughs> no more hard liquor ever. Okay, 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 yep. And then my favorite, which is I won't drink on an empty stomach, but I also want to lose weight, so I won't, <laughs> won't eat too much. <laughs> oh my God, that's a perfect, it just encapsulates what lengths we will go to to protect alcohol, first of all, right? Because mm-hmm. we're like, no, 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 I'm very protective of this thing. I will make so many excuses for you and your bad behavior. Not not you, I'm talking about alcohol yeah. and alcohol's bad behavior that I will just tie myself into fucking knots mm-hmm. over and over. And like, and it makes sense when you're doing it, right? You're like, oh, this is, yeah. here's the key. This is the one I've been missing this whole time. This is why I haven't been able to moderate. So we um, were having a barbecue Memorial Day weekend this past year, and we were having some new friends over that I met through my daughter's daycare and also kids who had known me since – I say kids. We're all adults who have known me <laughs> since college. We feel like kids. Yeah. And I had put all my moderation rules in place, and I was like, this time's going to be different. Spoiler alert, it was not different. Okay. I woke up the next morning, and I said, I am done. You know, it's worth noting, so two weeks after that I am done moment, I we went out to dinner with another couple – I had two drinks and I did not like how I felt. I didn't, mm. you know, the next day I noticed the difference. That night I noticed the difference. It was just sort of like my, let me just, I'm just curious, you know? And it solidified everything. And I um, started keeping a journal, I think like the second day. And I go back to it pretty regularly to remind myself of how I felt, why I did it. It's so important to know that, yeah, alcohol can make you feel good. 
but that's because it's doing all these fucked up things to your brain. And then the effects after just aren't worth it. Yes. Okay. There's so much in this story. You know, moderation stories are my absolute favorite. I'm so glad that you, that you said that you went and did the like the two drinks, right? Mm-hmm. And you because so every single time I ask for people to check in on Instagram and on stories, and I'm like, okay, how is it going, right? And I get a handful, maybe like uh, maybe ten percent, twenty percent. I don't know. I don't know numbers, but I get quite a few who are like. I'm beating myself up. I had two drinks on Saturday. I hate myself all right. And then the spiral and the shame and all the things that alcohol brings with it. But your story highlights exactly why that could be such a huge step forward and really saying like, no, no, no. Okay. With my eyes open now, because like once your eyes are open, you can't unsee this the shit that you're starting to see, right? Yep. When you go through that moderation phase, that's why that's so important too. And making the rules and blowing through them, that phase is, I think, a lot of times critical, right? And then your eyes are just like slowly opening and then being like, okay, well, so if I drink with my eyes open now, what happens, right? And so mm-hmm. I'm going to keep my eyes open. I'm still going to have a couple drinks and then you see it. And then you see it like very clearly. You're like, oh, holy shit. Now I see like two drinks, how this affects me and what's happening and how I feel. And the fact that you wrote it down. This morning when people were checking in saying that I said, write down exactly today how you feel write down like the truth because you're seeing the truth right now. These are facts and how what alcohol is and how it affects you. And so when you write that down so that you can look at it in a week and two weeks when you start to romanticize that and when the brainwashing from everywhere else starts to seep in and then you're like, oh, right. And if you treat it like it's a letter to your future self and be like, hey, future Sue's, I know. I mean, not me because alcohol is, you know, now I'm like out of that. Like you won't always have to do this. I always say in the group because we have Discord and which is perfect for this. And it's to check in in the group and say, okay, just remind me of what I know. Because right now I'm forgetting it all. I'm forgetting it because I've Everything that I've done and how I've done it is like seeping back in, of course, because it's easier for my brain and it's habitual and all of these things. And so if you're going to remind yourself then of what you know, and that is like the perfect way to do it. Yeah. I'm almost seven months alcohol-free and without getting too far ahead of myself, like I really don't see a world where I go back. And if I do, at least I'm armed with this knowledge. And the reason I say I don't see myself going back is because I don't see a positive outcome to any of it. Yes. Like the no. girls' weekends when I would go away and drink and then end up with hungover and sick and tired are not as fun as the one I just went on with another girlfriend, which was spa. We had a great time and I actually was refreshed, you know? Yes. Like those trips, those moments. Yeah. And like, I totally understand you being like, I don't want to get ahead of myself. It's kind of like saying like, I don't want to jinx it, right? Mm-hmm. Like alcohol yep. might sneak its way back in. This is where, like, it's not going to sneak its way back in, right? Like cigarettes, right? And that's what people ask me, like, well, am I always going to feel tempted? And am I always going to feel like alcohol is just, like, waiting for me? Like, it's this big, bad goblin that might be around the corner, right? And it's just not. And, yeah, and the farther away you get from it, you just see very, very clearly. You're like, oh, no, 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 okay, this is for good. And it's, like, actually good. 
Yeah. I can't remember who said it. It might have been at the Dry January Roundtable episode, but just like drinking is basically like a magnet. You know, the further you get away from it, the less pull it has on you. It's so true. Something else I heard on your podcast, which really resonated, um, was just mistakes happen. People slip. It's life. But why do you keep doing the hard part over again? Yes. That those first weeks are the hardest. Don't torture yourself. It's so true. And like, that's just not what sobriety is those first weeks, right? Just like that first mile is not what running is. Like if I had to run that first mile over and over and over, I would fucking never run again because it's horrible. And I hate every (laughs) second of it. I hate every step of the first mile of a run, but I love running. Right. And I'm not crazy. I mean, I am kind of crazy, but I'm not that crazy that I would do something that I hate. Yeah. It just, I mean, for anybody listening who is still in the early days or still on the fence if this is something they want to do, just do it. Just take the leap. And and I don't regret any of my past because yes. it was so pivotal in who I have become now. And I have great stories and I've made great friends. I mean, But yeah. even now when I look back at those things, I also do remember the hangovers and how yeah. debilitating they were. There's a story I haven't posted yet on my Instagram, but I have it typed up and ready to go. Oh my God, what is it? I mean, okay. So basically, (laughs) (laughs) when I was in college, a few times I would take myself to the ER the next day, which I know is a terrible waste of resources for for IVs. This is before mobile IVs. Yeah. No, but also PS, just real quick, when I was in the hospital like in the summer because I had like the crazy headache. And anytime you say you have the worst headache of your life, I guess you get a spinal tap, which is like so fun. I've I've had this. Oh (laughs) my God. And the nurse said like out of the four patients that she had currently, like three of them were alcohol related. Yeah. It's not surprising. Yeah. So when I had moved to the city, I did that once and I went to the ER, the the doctor was there just like, stop drinking. Like, don't drink so much. Don't be stupid. I was embarrassed. I was already embarrassed. The doctor, like, you know, in a gentle way. Yeah. But so a few weeks later, I found myself heading back to the ER again. And when uh, I was sitting on my little gurney waiting for the doctor, and it was the same doctor who came in. No, was it and really? We, it was. And we looked at each other and I was just, <sighs> I wanted the earth to like swallow me up. Oh no. And of course that should have been another moment where I was like, I should probably stop. It wasn't, but it was one of those blocks, you know, that I just sort of, I tucked in the back. It was foundational. Like we get to it later, the rest of it, but yeah. yeah. Oh my God. That's hilarious. And he's yeah. like, Katie, you're like, oh no! (laughs) Oh my god! And that is, you know, that can be the hard part of sobriety is that like those kind of moments that we have like kind of tucked away, and we're like, okay, Mm -hmm. well, I'm definitely not gonna, I'm not gonna look at this or think about what it means yet. When we start to like shine a light, I always call it like mold in the basement, right? We're just like, okay, well, not yet, not yet. And then we, when we start to dig through the mold. You got you got to dig through the mold a little bit, but then you start to yeah, you can start to see the light. Yeah, but no, it is just so much better on the other side. I have much more energy. I know I'm a better wife than mom, and I have an almost three year old. And I just you know, there's just there's no room for alcohol in my life. Katie, thank you so much. I just I love your story. I want I started following you. We'll put your Instagram in the show notes. Is that okay? So people can come see you and see the penis picture. <laughs> yes, definitely. And I, I use it basically as a live journal. Like yeah, when I feel something, great. I read something, I just like put it out there. And again, one of those resources that I go back to and reread 
you know, especially in the early, those early posts to remind myself of why I'm doing this. No, that's amazing. I love it so much. And I just, yeah, I I can't thank you enough for sharing your story and uh, it's going to help. Yeah. It's going to help so many moms. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of The Sober Mom Life. If you loved it, please rate and review it wherever you listen. Five stars is amazing. Also, follow me on Instagram at The Sober Mom Life. Okay, I'll see you next week. I'm going to go reheat my coffee. Bye. Addiction impacts all of us. Addiction's consequences run through all of us. From ourselves to our loved ones and through our communities, addiction creates so much loss and grief. My name is Dwayne Osterlin, and I'm the host of the Addicted Mind podcast, a show featuring personal stories, expert guests, and vital information about addiction and addiction recovery. We'll talk with leading treatment providers to discuss the latest research and treatment options for this devastating disease and advocate for mental health awareness. We discuss topics like the importance of creating a community of support to helping loved ones to some of the latest research on psychedelic medicines. The Addicted Mind podcast has been about creating hope, listening to stories of many amazing people that have overcome addiction and are thriving. If you or a loved one is struggling with addiction, subscribe to the Addicted Mind podcast wherever you get your podcasts or check out theaddictedmind.com. New episodes every Monday. See you there.